I love medicine, but sometimes I hate medical school. Medicine.net describes unrequited love as an experience of loving someone without them loving you back. If medical school was my lover, I did not only feel so unloved today, but the unrequited love was laced with so much rage. To mirror the state of my heart right now, it felt befitting to crush the keyboard and hopefully whatever sound it plays matches the keys of my brokenness. Hi, my name is still Annalisa. I am now a fourth year medical student at Fords University. I had my OSCEs today. What that is, is an exam where we get tested on the clinical skills that we have been taught throughout the blocks. Fourth year blocks include neurology, musculoskeletal, gastrointestinal and nutrition, endocrine and repro block. And we're currently doing the endocrine block. Let me give you a quick tour of how the OSCEs work. So there are usually four stations. It can either be an examination, a procedure, a history, and or a written station. Students can start at a rest station, then they get five minutes prep time, and then five minutes in an active station. So you can imagine the kinds of disastrous meals that this pressure cooker has made me make. Some laughable, but some have left me dangling between frustrated and devastated. So let me just try and narrate the story as if you have live access to my forehead camera. Time check, 7.55 a.m. Oh great, I'm early. This thing starts at 8.15 a.m. What can I revise in 20 minutes? Mm. How about endocrine skills, considering we've just done it and chances of it coming out are quite high? Great idea, Lisa. I walk into the waiting area, which is LT1. I immediately see my study buddy and I climb up and promptly settle next to him. We rush through a bunch of stuff we both were not comfortable with and I'm realizing just how freaking prepared I am. I mean, I spent Thursday, Friday, the entire weekend binge studying, that is going from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. with no official breaks. I would return to my room and literally flatline. So it should be enough though, right? I mean, I was about to find out. The Oscar director comes to address us. Next thing I know, we are sneaking our way down the stairs towards the exam venue. At this point, I'm anticipating that exhilarating feeling of relief of getting this over and done with. Much like how one gets when they take off those tight-fitting shoes and they melt into a onesie on a couch after a very long day. So basically, I'm not nervous at all. My group is and I are actually chuckling and sharing some stupid jokes. Maybe they were trying to mask the anxiety. I was just enjoying the banter. That is it. Maybe I should have worn a mask, maybe a reality check mask. Annalisa, please stand by station four, the director exclaimed. Next thing, I'm looking at an active station and it's a written station. I quickly try to make out what the station is and I see an abdominal x-ray picture on the computer. I have to put on my game face and wait for the bell to signal for prep time. There I am in front of a computer with this picture of an x-ray with a pathology I've never seen before. I panic. What will help you right now is to pace yourself and remember the systemic way of analyzing an x-ray. The diagnosis is just one mark after all. My self-soothing session is interrupted by a ringing bell signaling me to start writing. I scribble a few missing words on the answer sheet and this entire time I'm thinking, 
what on earth am I supposed to be feeling in here? Towards the last minute, I was just winging it because I believe that the most stupid thing is to leave a blank space. It is actually stupider than being unable to answer because you're, stu- you're so stupid. Goes the bell. Well, I don't know how the bell rings in words, but this will do in this post. I find myself in a prep station. Could either say I have five minutes to prep for the next station or that I have five minutes to reminisce about the horrible x-ray station I've just barely completed. As a girl that has always abided by the Madagascar penguins philosophy, should we tell them that the boat is out of gas? Nah, just smile and wave, boys, just smile and wave. So I did. It's actually my motto in life, and yeah, I know people don't have motors anymore. I'm old school. So my eyes pop open to the words, perform ophthalmoscopy on a hypertensive patient. Now let me give you context. The doctors have told us that historically, ophthalmoscopy is one of the most difficult stations. So I'm definitely not on cloud nine at this point. I'm going over the pathologies usually seen in a hypertensive patient's eye. The active station bell rings. I'm now looking at a model. A plastic dummy, not not a model, not what you're thinking. A hypertensive model. <laughs> I go through the mundane stuff, I greet, wash my hands, introduce myself to the model. Yeah, because we have to act. I explain the procedure and I actually do the procedure. Oh no, I fumble for a few seconds trying to switch the device on. I find the right lens, which was good for me. I find the red reflex and I approach focusing by moving that diopter. I see absolutely nothing. Time is ticking and at this point, I'm just fidgeting. I decide to tell the examiner what pathologies I'm expecting to see. So I murdered that part. I get shown a piece of paper with pathologies I probably should have seen in the model. So as I was pointing out the first pathology, Dang, I'm slowly descending the level of cloud I'm in right now. I was probably around cloud five at best. Did I just waste time not knowing what I was seeing in the first station to only waste more time not seeing anything that I probably would have known on the second station? (sighs) You're off to a good start, Lisa. Here's the thing, though. It was not a total knockout. I was still holding on to the ropes of the boxing ring. I was still on my feet. Back to the prep station for station three. One glance at the bottom of the page instruction, perform a musculoskeletal examination on this patient. I smile and I read the case scenario. This man has back pain, pain is shooting down his leg. That's easy. I brace myself for the active station. Inside the room, I see an SP, which is a simulated patient. I inspect, I palpate, I make him perform active movements, and I perform some special tests, and I leave the room, and I've been totally knocked out, annihilated. I'm hanging my head in absolute disgust and devastation. I hate medicine. I hate medicine. I probably mostly hate myself. So I've always been overly self-critical and that trait has become more apparent in medical school because it is such a high stakes, high pressured environment and it has amplified both the worst and the best parts of me. 
I've always been told that I love beating myself up. I'm too hard on myself, such that if I do one mistake, especially if I knew better, and right now, I feel like gouging my heart out of my chest because so that I don't feel the psychological slashings I'm about to inflict on myself. I literally take myself on a shame parade like that scene on Game of Thrones. However, instead of the crowd throwing garbage and shouting shame at Cecil Lannister, the crowd is me. It's as though when I make a mistake that was punishable by people kicking me while I was down, I would join those people and I would be the last one still kicking at me. Let's go back, shall we? What just happened? So the patient had pain shooting down his leg, which indicates a possible sciatic nerve compression. Now at this point, I'd probably practiced nerve compression tests several times. I've just done everything else except the nerve compression test, which was critical to the diagnosis of this patient. Sometimes, you know, preparation doesn't match the results. I'm standing by the door, ruminating like a cow, over-analyzing, contemplating about having started with the nerve compression test instead of leaving it for last and running out of time. I'm giving out silent shrieks, my mental cushions covering my terror screams. My study mate glances over at me with a concerned expression. Even though the mask, even through the mask, he can see the imminent mental breakdown I'm having. I flop on the prep station chair and I just lose it don't have time to recuperate because the instructions for the next station are staring at you. You're looking at the words, but you can't see anything. Remember the motor, Lisa? Just smile and wave? Nah. I was in such deep agony that I cannot, I cannot even wave right now. Nevertheless, you have to get it together because the bell will... So, by this time... I robotically enter the history-taking station, which is the last station. I clear some emotional cache to free up some space. I have to be animated, I thought, as I engage with the patient. The station is going relatively well. I don't run out of time. I summarize, report to my patient, my findings, and I thank the patient. As I exit the station, the emotions I left outside the door enthusiastically embrace me and I am now screaming underwater, still reeling at the failure in station three. The problem is that such little moments of failure rob you of acknowledging the great moments, such as performing a history station successfully and doing that without running out of time. It is a well-known fact that five minutes is never enough for a history-taking station and most students do not finish. I have not congratulated myself on this till right this second as I am writing this post. At times, medical students, or medical school rather, can embody that lover that doesn't reciprocate the love, and imposter syndrome can creep in and that can affect how you see yourself and how you see yourself in its world. Basically, you develop an existential crisis about being in medical school. It can make you spiral off the rails, tank your mental health, and lead to unhealthy behavior. I've come to appreciate how important it is to keep the bigger picture in view. Why am I even doing this? Is it just to nail that exam and get to the diagnosis? Or is it the learning embedded in the in-betweens as well? I'm not a robot. I'm a human being who's trying to become a doctor. And I've come to realize that it takes more than regurgitating medical knowledge 
to make a doctor out of a person. It also takes times you had to fail, swallow frustration and get back on the wagon because the wheels are always turning. It'll always take today's predicament to shape a wholesome doctor in me. When I got into medical school, a certain society asked us why we applied to medical school. Basically, what is your why? To end this on a resounding note, I will share some snippets of what this ordeal has taught me. Number one, a wingless butterfly is not a caterpillar. It's okay to lose your wings, but it doesn't diminish your value and growth. In fact, losing your wing is another opportunity of a growth spurt. Your great preparation will not always be rewarded with great results. When you factor in variables such as time pressure, high stakes exam situations that may cause you to underperform, it doesn't mean you're not good enough. Just ensure that when you are a doctor and a patient presents with a certain pathology, you'd be able to help them. Number two, marks are not everything. And this is a hard one to unlearn. Number three, Beating yourself up will leave you so bloody that you'll fail to acknowledge the silver lining and you'll miss the small wins that are worth celebrating. Lastly, feel the emotions and consume them so that they don't consume you. Medical school does not only demand your academic prowess, but it also needs your emotional, your spiritual, your mental and your physical well-being. Thank you for reading and remember, just smile and wave boys, just smile and wave. If you can't wave, at least just smile. God bless.